Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy coming at you with another sweet podcast episode. Thank you for joining me today, whether you found me on YouTube or whether you found us on audio and on any podcast player. I appreciate you being here. In today's episode, I dive into my own uh, world. Uh, I bring on a financial advisor that I personally work with. His name is Chris Cook. He's with Diversify, and he is awesome. He brings a wealth of knowledge. He's worked for Fidelity Investments. He's worked for Charles Schwab. He's worked with hundreds of people in developing their financial plans and helping them determine financial uh planning. So uh, I wanted to bring him on, frankly, because as civil engineers, we're always thinking about our future. And if you're just starting your career, it will do you very well. You'll do very well if you can get ahead of the game on investing for your future. And so Chris brings a wealth of knowledge. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff to deal with the financial world. And I think it's really going to be a benefit to you guys as we think about our financial future. So I wanted to bring him on today. He's also a uh, smart vester pro for the New York Times bestselling author and syndicated radio host, Dave Ramsey. We touch upon that a little bit, uh, but he's just, I really like Chris because he brings a balanced approach to investing options. And uh, he's not against one or the other. I mean, he is in some cases, but when you align your vest investing with your values, you'll be on target to get to where you want to go. So we talk about that a little bit. Anyway, it's a fun episode. It's coming right up, and uh, Chris is awesome. So I want to you know, reach out to him on LinkedIn or however you want to reach him. Give him a thank you and a shout-out for joining, and I really appreciate him joining the show today. And uh, good stuff is coming right after this. Hey guys, before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to read a quick disclaimer and that is simply that the Civil Engineering Academy content is just used for information purposes and that the views that we share are not legal advice or should be taken as advice from Diversify Financial, who I interview today. Uh, you got to make your own analysis and your own decision making based on your own circumstances and you should find your own financial advisor uh, you know, whenever you can. So having said all that, Let's get to the episode. All right. Thanks for joining me today, Chris. Uh, welcome to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, I appreciate you jumping on. So I, uh, I connected with Chris. Chris is with Diversified Financial and a great guy. I wanted to have him jump on the show and kind of talk about some finances today for civil engineers. I know a lot of engineers are starting their careers or a lot of you are in your careers and you're working either towards retirement or figuring out savings and all kinds of other financial instruments that are out there in the world. So I want to bring Chris on today because I thought he could enlighten us on some financials for us. So hey, um, <laughs> you're going to do awesome. Uh, so um, Chris, you know, I will probably talk a little bit about you, but I wonder if you could talk about a little bit more about your background, what you do for work, um, yeah. things like, of that nature. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm in my mid forties. 
Um, and I've been licensed for 23 years. So most of my life, I started off um, working at an insurance uh, division. It was called uh, World Marketing Alliance. They're now owned by Transamerica. So I, I got exposure to that side of the business. So, you know, a lot of the people who hold themselves out to be investment professionals in our industry are actually insurance agents. And some of them have investment licenses, some of them don't, but, but that's where I started. That's where I kind of cut my teeth. And, um, and then I went to work for Charles Schwab, a discount brokerage company down in Phoenix, Arizona, and got exposure to the discount brokerage side. Uh, later moved to Fidelity Investments, which is very similar. Just, you know, another discount brokerage firm out there that, you know, many you know, millions of people in the U.S. invest through one of those two companies and they're retail investors opening accounts themselves. And, and I worked in various departments at both of those places, uh, usually client uh, facing. So I worked in an investment division with Fidelity. So, you know, folks calling in wanting some help from a financial professional and not just doing it totally on their own. Um, I also worked in their fixed income department there. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, that side of the business, the discount brokerage side, where it's mostly people doing stuff on their own. And then uh, for the last 12 years, I've, uh, I've been with an independent uh, registered advisor called Diversify. Uh, we are based here in Utah. And so for 12 years, it's, I've just been in that independent route. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed that because I, I get to work with the same clients. They come in, we develop a relationship. I know them, they know me, um, and we work together. Whereas when I was at Fidelity, for example, I may talk to somebody, they could be anywhere in the United States, and mm -hmm. I'm not their advisor. They may call in and get somebody different. You know, they, they will call in and get somebody different next time. And so, you know, there, there, there's not a lot of continuity with that. Uh, not that that's bad. It's just you know, it's just, you just don't get continuity when you're at those discount brokerage firms. So, you know, I've, I've enjoyed where I'm at now and being in the independent route. And do you work with clients all over the country still, or is it mainly a Utah based clientele or how does that work? Yeah, I, I do. I have clients in 37 States. Okay. Um, now I, we're, we're based here in Utah. So I have a lot of Utah and Idaho clients, but you know, then I've had clients over the years that have moved to different states or referred me to people uh, for, from other states. And so it just kind of organically grew into that makes sense. more nationwide. Well, that's awesome. Well, yeah. um, I, I, I think your background is awesome. And uh, with what I have going on here with civil engineers, I work with a lot of civil engineers. Um, what would you say are some steps that they can make to maybe make a, a solid financial plan for their future as they start their careers or even if they're in their careers? What are some sure. steps you could consider? Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing is is just taking the time to build a plan. And I, I have a lot of civil engineer clients or just engineers in general. And hmm. um, you're, you're math you know, nerds. Yeah. In general, you guys are a sharp bunch and you analyze and you plan and you build. And so um, it's just applying all those same things to your financial life. Um, you know, sitting down, making a budget, right? I mean, everything starts off with some type of budget. Now, 
I've been in the business for 22 years. And so I know that the majority of my clients, they don't budget consistently every month. Some do, but there's a lot of families out there that it just, they just don't. But at the same time, I mean, what you have to have a groundwork and a foundation and a basis. So if you can create that budget, work on it every month, or in the end, you'll, you know, you'll know that you're doing the right thing if your assets are increasing and your liabilities are decreasing over time. Um, gotcha. So, you know, start with that budget and then, uh, you know, take those next steps of opening up retirement accounts. And well, first of all, being debt free, right? On everything. Mm -hmm. A lot of times mortgage is a big purchase. So we're, we're, we're going to have that, but being debt free, having money set aside in the bank, set, you know, starting retirement accounts, if you have children planning for their future at some level, you know, setting some money aside for their education or future expenses. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's where I start. So uh, most civil engineers, I imagine that are working, have some sort of 401k. Mm -hmm. um, is it is it worth looking into if, if an employer is offering a Roth 401k versus just mm -hmm. a regular 401k? Is yeah. that something worth looking into? Is there some benefits mm -hmm. to one or the other, depending on age or, or whatnot? Yeah. So you have Roth 401ks and you have Roth IRAs. Now, the Roth part just means that it's going to grow tax-free. So you're putting money in that you've paid taxes on. It's going to grow tax-free. And as long as you wait until 59 and a half, you're going to draw it out. No penalties, no taxes. Now, a lot of it depends on your income tax status. So many times as an advisor, an investment advisor, I get questions that are layered with investment advice, tax advice, and legal advice. Um, and, and so, yeah, on the Roth side, I mean, I can tell you what I know of that and what I think is best, but I also would say it's probably smart to get a tax advisor involved, a CPA or somebody like that, or do the research on your own, make sure you know that from a tax perspective, what's best in your circumstance. But you know, the nice thing is, is if you're in a relatively low income tax bracket, so let's say a 12% tax bracket, that's a married couple making less than $80,000 a year, mm -hmm. a Roth is a clear choice. You know, Putting that money in, not taking the tax deduction now, allowing it to grow tax-free. If you're in a higher tax bracket, many civil engineers are, I mean, your income's generally over $80,000 a year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get up in the 22 or 24% tax bracket. Um, if you, you know, you make that contribution, you don't get that deduction this year. And in the future, when you draw the money out, um, there's a chance you would draw it out at a less tax return. So, or less, less tax rate. So that could be an argument for you to traditional and not the Roth. All right. um, but in the end, I mean, I will say this, I believe that pretty much everybody should have both kinds of contributions. You should have gotcha. some Roth, some pre-tax. Um, I mean, if you want to use a very general rule, 50-50, you know, 50% Roth, 50% pre-tax. So if someone is just starting out their career, do you think, I mean, that's kind of a good rule of thumb? Start start with that or maybe do some of their own homework and see what, you know, if the Roth or the traditional or, or stick with that rule of thumb and do 50-50. If mm -hmm. someone was just kind of just starting their civil career and all of a sudden they're thrown on these options, they kind of yeah. uh, get a little starstruck on what, what's in front of them. So sure. yeah. uh, maybe, maybe that's a, a good rule of thumb to follow. So mm -hmm. any thoughts yeah. around that? Yeah. And 
So like in a 401k, many plans match. So let's say they're offering, you know, a 4% match. You put in 4%, they match 4%. Mm-hmm. Well, your 4%, you can elect to be Roth 401k, mm. the entire part, the entire 4%. The company's matching 4%, but it is pre-tax dollars. Companies always matching pre-tax dollars, even if you're contributing to the Roth. So you naturally have your 50-50 mix by doing that. There you go. That's good advice. Um, I'm going to shift a little bit to, um, I guess, debt. You touched upon that at the beginning. Um, I know debt affects our investing. How does it affect our investing? What advice would you have around that if people have credit card, they're just getting at school, they have school debt. Um, Maybe they're a young young family with a kid and maybe Mm -hmm. they're even trying to get a house and homes are just insane right now. So. What, what kind of advice do you have around debt? Well, I think the first thing is, is let, let's separate it out into different debt categories, right? We, we have revolving debts, which are credit cards, right? I can take my balance up to a thousand, pay it off, right? Then we have mm-hmm. installment debts, which are auto loans. Um, for the most part, you know, something where we're going to pay a set amount or, you know, 36 month loan and we're paying a set amount every, every month. Um, and then you have mortgage debt. And each one of those have different varying degrees of, um, I guess, impact. So the first thing I'm going to say is we should certainly try to avoid and or eliminate revolving debt at any time, right? If we're mm-hmm. using credit cards, we're spending money we don't have. If, uh, you know, and, and those types of things. So, and those interest rates are high. If you do carry balances, right? If, if you use it, don't pay it off and those things go up. You know, 18% is not uncommon to see on a credit card. So, you know, if you're accumulating money, paying 18% and investing and only earning 10, you, you don't have to be a math wizard to figure out that that math doesn't work very often. <laughs> um, um, so hopefully engineers can figure that one out. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, then the other argument sometimes people say, well, I use a credit card and I pay it off every month. You can do that, but you also spend more money statistically. They've, they've done studies, right, that show that we spend more money when we're using cards rather than cash or a debit card. So, but, you know, uh, I'm not going to get too hung up on that. It's just don't, certainly don't accumulate debts on credit cards. And, right. um, well, and now there's a lot of incentives to use a card too. I mean, you, every card has a perk, so yeah, uh, it makes it easier. Travel miles and all of that. And so, you know, some people do like to use a monthly and pay them off, but, uh, but in, in general, I'm going to say this, if you can live your life without using credit cards, you're going to be much better off than Um, you know, and then you've got your installment loans, auto loans. So same, same type of thing. You know, if you can pay cash for a car and be in the habit of saving up and buying your your, your cars with cash, even better. Um, now mortgage debt, um, you know, not many of us have $500,000 to go buy a house. So trying to save up, you know, I'd say at least five, 10%, but preferably closer to 20 to be able to have a down payment uh, on, on that mortgage. Uh, we'll, we'll give you a cushion there. Hopefully help you avoid some PMI, some private mortgage insurance when you have that 20% down. So mortgage debt's one that we usually can live with at some level, but we're, we're gonna suggest that you're trying to pay it off within 15 years, whether you do a 15 year mortgage or whether you do a 30 year mortgage and just put it on a 15 year schedule to pay it off. Faster we can be paid off, less money we owe other people, more money we have for ourselves to either invest or consume and have some fun. That's great advice. 
One last thing I would say is student loan debt. I mean, that is kind of a fourth debt. You could probably throw it in one of those other categories, but I always separate it because student loan debt is its own animal. It's the only debt that you cannot bankrupt from. All the other debts, if we were dumb enough to accumulate an amount so much that we are insolvent and we can't pay it back, we can go throw ourselves at the mercy of the court, have it wiped out, start over, and and do it differently the next time. Hmm. You can't do that with student loan debt. Student loan debt, uh, if you die, it goes away, or you pay it off. Oh, man. I, mean, uh, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. That's, yeah. That's pretty crazy. And so, um, I mean, there's some people, you get in certain professions where, you know, they may have to take student loans. So I get, my advice, again, is always avoid it if you can. Don't do it. If you don't have to, try and pay for school as you go along. But if, you, if you're if you done, you're in your career, you have some student loan, I hear too many times people say, well, that interest rate's really low. I, I'm, I'm going to take time to pay it off. It's right. not about the interest rate with that, with that type of debt. It's about eliminating it as fast as possible so that if you ever find yourself in a situation where your income drops, lose a job, become disabled, and your income changes and your situation changes, right, that that, that student loan debt is, is gone and, uh, and just behind you. That makes sense. Uh, I know we have a lot of people, part of our audience that are in school or even out of school with student loan debt. I mean, mm -hmm. I myself, I remember the last two semesters, I did take a student loan, but as soon as I got a job, you know, I was throwing every bonus that I had at the student loan debt just to get that thing knocked out. So yeah. uh, it definitely makes sense to, to eliminate that as fast as you can. So, yeah. um, I'm curious if there's any tools or, or tools that are out there that people could go around and play with. Um, is there something you recommend along those lines that people could maybe help them with a financial plan, help them see them get out, get out of debt or things like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, I've kind of stuck to the Dave Ramsey world, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. There's lots of other tools that, all of the discount brokerage firms, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, E-Trade, Robinhood, I think. I don't know about Robinhood, but anyways, you know, most of them most of them have a financial planning tool that you can go on yourself, plug in all your information and do that type of stuff. Um, Dave Ramsey's website, which is what I'm most familiar with, you know, they've got planning tools in there, investment calculators, and um, you can put your information in. There's also the, you know, Mint, the apps. They're also, mm -hmm. you know, uh, website mint.com those types of things where you can go in you can upload you can enter all of your checking account investment information assets and uh and and follow you know follow kind of your your plan there um you know as an advisor we have our own tools we have tools that we make available to our clients um tools that we use for financial planning or for social security planning or you know any of that. Um, so, you know, we, that makes sense. we certainly use it all the time. So along those lines, is there some good places that we could get some better education on, on investment? I mean, is there books, mm -hmm. resources, it sounds like all these websites sure. also we can dive into. Is there any yeah. particular that have floated to the top of your mind uh, to help out? Sure. I mean, I'll throw a few ideas out there. Um, I, I, I'll say this, I've done this for 23 years. Um, so I don't think anybody's right about everything. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to find, you know, for example, I'll, I mentioned Dave Ramsey, right? 
Dave Ramsey's a radio talk show host. Um, he preaches to the masses about, you know, some very simple financial basics. Um, sure. it's get out of debt, have an emergency reserve, invest for retirement, save for kids, pay off your mortgage. Um, and he's got a lot of great books, you know, financial peace is a good one that, that, that lays a very solid foundation. Um, I would read that one if you're out of debt and you have an emergency reserve. Mm-hmm. Total Money Makeover is another one of Dave Ramsey's books where if you're in debt, if you have any debt but your mortgage, read that book. That's the book that's going to light a fire under you to get that debt gone and then get into those next phases of your of your financial life of saving and investing. Perfect. Um, but, you know, Dave Ramsey comes from a place of let's use little or no debt and eliminate that. And it's it's just good, solid, long-term advice. Now, you start getting out into other things. For example, uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, a lot of people have heard of uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of good good book, a lot of good principles. Um, he's he's going to teach a, a principle about, about using debt at some level to leverage and, and build more. Basically, if you can take money at a certain interest rate and earn more on that over time, there's arbitrage there and you're using other people's money, OPM, other people's money to build your net worth. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the only time where I think that is somewhat wise is maybe if you're doing some real estate investing. All right. Right. If, if we're going to, if, if I have my home and I want to buy another home that's a rental and I don't have enough to buy that rental property, I may have to use some of the bank's money to go buy that. So, in a rental case, and in the case of a rental, I always want to have 20% down. 20% down, no PMI, then I might use, you know, take a loan, which is the other, other the bank's money. Today, you can get that at, I don't know, four, four and a half percent. Hopefully, a, a real estate investment is going to earn you eight to 10. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of a principle that's taught by Robert Kiyosaki. But I bring that up because if you call Dave Ramsey, Dave's going to tell you never to do that. We that's never true. use debt at any level. That's very true. But you call yeah, he's got to st- stick to his guns. But I guess everyone does it a little. Everyone does it a little differently. So, I think yeah. You're so right. Robert Kiyosaki, he's you know, you call him, he's going to say, yeah, use, use debt prudently, or whatever that word, you know, whatever you think prudently is. So you've got those two. Then you've got your books out there. Um, you know, just the standard ones. Uh, what is it, the Millionaire Next Door? Good, uh, good financial, solid education. Yeah. Richest Man in Babylon. Okay. I love them. I will say one last thing. You do get books out there in the insurance world, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes the insurance world teaches us, it's called leap, leap, uh, lifetime economic acceleration process, where they're teaching you how to use permanent life insurance policies Oh, yes. To build your net worth, right? It's completely opposite of what I teach. I've read their books because I want to know what the other side is saying and doing. Um, sure. I also worked in that industry at the beginning of my career, so I, I, I know it very well. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because don't buy everything you read hook, line, and seeker. You know, read it, determine for yourself whether you think it's appropriate, talk to people with differing views and then come up with your own financial 
path and find somebody to work with who shares those same values. Because if you're going to be a buy term life insurance and invest your money in retirement plans in the stock market, mm-hmm. you're not going to gel well with a life insurance agent who keeps telling you that's the wrong way to go and that you need to own whole life and universal life insurance. That makes sense. Every time you meet with him, he's just going to tell you why you're doing things wrong. And once you switch, the same is true of the opposite. If you do want to use life insurance products and you meet with somebody like me, I'm going to tell you every time we meet why you shouldn't be doing that. You know? Makes sense. So find someone that aligns with your values and then the financial path you want to, you want to take. That makes sense. Hmm. What do you, what would you consider is maybe for civil engineers starting, what would be the easiest way for them to start investing? What would be the hardest uh, thing to maybe dive into? What, what are some advice around that? Well, the, in my opinion, the easiest way to invest is build it into the monthly budget. So, you know, if you're debt free and you have your emergency reserve set aside and it's time to start setting money aside for retirement, First, if you work for a company that has a 401k plan, especially when the matches, sign up for them. Let them pull that from your paycheck. Super easy. Uh, Second, uh, you could open up individual retirement accounts, either traditional IRAs that are pre-tax or Roth IRAs that are after-tax. And uh, a lot of the investment firms, you just link your checking account. You choose a date each month, say the first and you make your contribution. Like Roth IRAs, you can contribute $500 a month to max out the $6,000 contribution every year. So you set it up, make it automatic. Uh, You can change those with any company at any time. If you have a month that you're not gonna have it, call and skip that month or or do that. But I try and set it up to be automatic. Now, that's an easy way to, to get started. But also I'm gonna say this is, you've heard from financial advisors like myself, that investing for the long term is generally the best way to go. Statistics will show if you put your money in, let the stock market do what it's going to do, going up, going down. Um, We have more up years than we have down years. And over time, historically, a stock mutual fund or stocks in general return 8 to 12%. Now, I say that because of simplification, right? When people are not doing that, when they are trying to time the market, when to get in, when to get out, um, for whatever reason, it's, it's what they're hearing, who they're listening to. To me, that's such a hard way to invest, right? Trying to predict the future, guess the future, um, worry about the future, and you'll drive yourself nuts doing that. Um, well, and there's, um, I mean, there's a lot of new ways to invest now. I'm seeing a lot of websites pop up where you mm-hmm. can invest in companies or, or, you know, you're throwing your, it's almost a uh, crowdfunding for investments now. Um, sure. it's, it seems like a new way to invest. Uh, maybe it's the new generation's way of doing things. I don't, I don't know, but, um, I can see where it's like, you know, you can invest in stuff and people want to make money quickly or have that try, try to, uh, sure. but it's very unpredictable uh, from what I've seen. Yeah. And a lot of times I tell my clients, you can separate the two. I'm not saying you can't do it at all, but mm-hmm. your money that is retirement, that's meant to build, build your net worth over time. It, in my opinion, should be 
in a long-term plan not being timed. But if you have some money outside of your retirement accounts and you want to scratch that itch of, I want to buy this stock and see what it does. I want to buy this cryptocurrency, see what it, what it does. I want to participate in this crowdfunding um, you know, website, you know, you, you you can do you can do all that with a portion of your money and sure. see how you do. Um, I I mean every once in a while a client comes in and says I did this, killed it, did it really well. Sometimes that clients come in and said I tried this, it didn't work, I lost a chunk or or, or whatever, yeah. you know. But um, anyway, I think you can do both at some level. But but the majority of your investing, in my opinion, should be to just buy and hold long term. That's that's a simple way to do it. Um, not a lot of stress. I love that. Well, Chris, our time's wrapping up. I want to know just a few more things about you. Why did you choose the field that you are in? Probably two reasons. I mean, I, I found myself in my free time talking about this stuff anyways. So if I was at a family function or with friends, I mean, it eventually just led to conversations about investing in money because it interested me. Yep. So I thought, why don't I try and make some money at it <laughs> as, a, as a career and as a job? Um, but I also, it's just, I enjoy being in a business or in a, in, a, in a field where I feel like I'm helping people. I don't think you can say that about every job. I think your guys' job is that, right? You guys provide a lot of value to society and mm-hmm. what you do and, 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 and the way you guys plan and engineer and do those types of things. Anyway, so there's just some level of satisfaction knowing that you're contributing uh, to the better of society. And I, I feel like my industry, financial planning, I really need to sit down and make a difference for people. That's awesome. Well, as we wrap up, Chris, is there any last thoughts that you have that you'd like to share with the audience? And also what's the best way uh, for people yeah. if they wanted to reach out and connect with you or the company, how, how they would do that? Yeah. Well, as far as any, any last thoughts, um, I just, just jump in and then start doing it. Like kind of like we started the started it off. It's just build that plan read good things. I would say this, I do believe you're better off working with an advisor over the long run. I know there's a cost to it. Most advisors are going to charge you 1% per year. And and sometimes we get too hung up with articles on the internet talking about just do it on your own and use index funds. Hey, it's a good low cost way to go. But remember that investing, it's not just math. There's an art to investing. And a good financial advisor can help you marry the art of investing along with the mathematics and the numbers of investing and hopefully help you build your net worth over time in a better way than what you could do by just doing it on your own. So obviously I'm biased in my opinion, I'm a financial advisor, but if it's not me, it I would highly advise looking for somebody else and, and, and getting some advice. So uh, our, our firm is Diversify. We are based in Utah. We can work with anybody across the U.S. through Zoom or over the phone. Um, Our phone number, 801-467-5115. You can Google us, just diversify with a Y.com. You can find us there. And I would love to have lots of advisors here. You can call in. We can get you paired up with one that may do a great job for you. And I would love to work with anybody. Uh, I've enjoyed working with you, Alex, and it's been a lot of years. And it's, it's, yeah, it's been great. Well, I appreciate you jumping on. Um, yeah, I we connected a long time ago. I just thought it'd be fun to talk about finances with everybody. And, and uh, you definitely have shared a lot of value. 
I t- have taken my, you know, if I, my car breaks down, I'm going to a mechanic and same thing with my finances. So I'm coming to, you know, a financial planner like you guys when things break down. So I appreciate you jumping on, sharing some great advice with us and uh, we'll, we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for All having right. me. Thank you. See ya. Thanks, Ivan.